This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by K's. K's, folks, I can't say enough good things about K's Restaurant. There they are, located 1013 Cass Ave in Woonsocket. K's is doing takeout. You can call them for takeout at 762-9675. Why not take out from K's a nice steak sandwich or corned beef or the lobster roll or ham sandwich or the chicken salad sandwich is delicious. I love their roast beef or the pastrami is delicious. The roast turkey breast is fantastic. And also the grilled pork or the tuna fish salad, the shrimp cocktail, lobster cocktail, wedge salad. Listen, call K's for takeout. 401-762-9675. And let me tell you about K's. They are so terrific and they're always there when you need them. David and John, the people of K's Restaurant, they are without question always there, so generous supporting people. And I'm encouraging you during these times, support K's, a real local icon. K's Restaurant is everything you want in not only a restaurant, but a restaurant owner. And let me tell you about David. The guy is just, he is exactly the type of citizen you need, always steps up there, always helps out always very generous this is your opportunity to show your support for k's restaurant call them for takeout 762-9675 you can check out their website ksrestaurant.com or maybe get a gift card but the people there are just terrific listen why not treat yourself lunch dinner call k's do takeout with k's restaurant 762 762- nine six seven five and then you pop by and get it right there cass avenue across from cvs it's the john DePietro show this portion of our program is brought to you by k's now remember k's right on cass avenue they are doing takeout you can call them still enjoy all the delicious sandwiches but uh call and do takeout at k's they're waiting for you the most delicious steak sandwich i love the pastrami roast turkey Folks, Case is such a valued part of the community, and let's support them during what is certainly a challenging time. I can't wait till all of this blows over, and I can sit down and enjoy a nice meal inside Case. David and John run such a great, uh, such a great place, and uh, Faye usually behind the bar, and Jessica, and uh, Danny in the kitchen. Everyone there at Case. Well, folks, it's time for another edition. Let's bring him on. He is our legal expert, top Rhode Island attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim Dodd, I want to start off with uh, something that certainly caught a lot of national attention. And uh, when these things happen, um, and we're going to touch it twofold, because you, you've had an extraordinary number of CEOs that were suddenly retiring in the month of February. But let's start off with some U.S. senators. And you heard that some of the people in Congress were briefed just how bad this coronavirus, COVID-19, was. And then suddenly just out of nowhere, they decided to change their position uh, with some of their investments. It's very disturbing, John, what what has happened um, at the Senate. Um, One of the senators who's appointed to fill out a term, uh, Senator Loeffler, um, whose husband happens to be the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, um, was on the Intelligence Committee, um, received information about the coming um, um, problems for the medical world with corona um, 
um, spreading. And uh, what would be happening in like the hotel and the hospitality industry. And she sold between, I think, a million and three million dollars worth of stock. Um, Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina did much the same thing. He's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. Um, after going to a um, classified hearing on the oncoming corona problems the country was facing, um, he came out in public, pronounced everything was fine, no need to worry, everything's going to be fine. And while he's making this public pronouncement, he was busy selling between, I think, 400,000 and a million five of stock wow. and the very industries that were going to be um, affected. So both of these senators um, specifically sold stock that they knew was in trouble and bought stock that they knew was going to um, go up in value because stock in medical appliances, medical components. Um, Diane Feinstein also got um, caught up in the same type of activity. Now, the Feinstein claims that she doesn't do any active trading. All of her assets are in a blind trust. Uh, Senator Loeffler says quite the same thing. Um, I guess there's no pillow talk between she and the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange as to what to do with their stock portfolio. It's, it's just not a credible um, statement for her to make. Um, Senator Burr comes out and says, I didn't use insider information. I only went based upon what I was reading and hearing in the public um, and what was available, which is not plausible either. So these senators are all self-dealing. They're all taking advantage of insider information and buying and selling shares of stock. Um, if you did it or I did it based upon insider knowledge, we'd probably get prosecuted. Will the senators get prosecuted, John? It's unlikely for a number of reasons. Now, in the first instance, most of the insider trading statutes, which are on the books, suggest that it's a crime to take advantage of insider information of the company that you work for. So let's assume that you worked for Apple and you learned that uh, Apple shares were going to be splitting or that Apple was going to uh, be projecting a loss or a profit or whatever. And you use that information to your own advantage. That's classic insider trading. Um, senators can say, well, I wasn't working for the company that had the knowledge and I didn't take advantage of it as an employee of a company. And that's their wiggle room to say that they're not specifically affected by the standard federal insider trading statutes. Now, the Senate did a remarkable thing. They enacted a law which is called the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act. It's the acronym is STOC, so it's commonly called the Stock Act, which was um, enacted in 2012 without a lot of fanfare. And what happened is that the senators are not supposed to, by statute, take advantage of information they learn in the course of their official duties. The trick is, the statute does not provide for any criminal penalties. All, all, it, all, it, all it potentially involves is if you were to really get um, caught dead to rights, 
the sanction is that you might have to forfeit your senatorial pension if and when you retire from the Senate. That's it. Hmm. That's all that can happen. So the risk for a senator to engage in um, taking advantage of insider knowledge isn't very great. Most senators die in office or retire when they're very old and have made lots of money in the Senate. So the risk of having um, forfeiture of their pension is no great sanction. Now, Senator Burr, being a veteran of the Senate, has now um, invoked another wonderful advantage that senators have. There's something called the, the Senate Ethics Committee, which is, uh, that's the name. It's, sometimes things are named inappropriately, but it's the Senate Ethics Committee. And we've talked about that once in a while in terms of when senators get jammed up on ethical improprieties. The Senate Ethics Commission is composed of six senators, three from each party, handpicked by the, um, the majority uh, leader and the minority leader, so that you're always going to have a stalemate. There's never going to be an ability for one side to trump the other. So if the three Republican appointees rule that there should be a violation, let's say, and the three Democrats uh, vote that there should not, then it's a stalemate and no action is taken. Uh, by way of example, John, last year, I believe it was last year, the Senate Ethics Committee handled 138 complaints. And after investigating, quote unquote, investigating 138 complaints for senatorial misconduct, no sanctions were issued as a result of any of the 138 investigations, zero. And that's the typical outcome of these things. So Senator Burr has essentially asked for his case to be investigated where it will go into a black hole, never to be heard from again. Hmm. Nothing ever happens with these things. Um, the, I think the last time anything happened was... Um, most famously when Bob Packwood got expelled from the Senate for sexual improprieties. Um, a couple of others have gotten jammed up um, a little bit, but typically nothing happens. So I would venture to say that there will never be a criminal prosecution of any of these senators for what any other American would likely be um, uh, prosecuted for. And no action will be taken. No punishment will be administered. Um, they'll get away with it. Now, the only sanction they face is from the voters. So the next time Senator Burr is up for reelection, I'm sure his opponent is going to pound on this thing relentlessly that he sure. took advantage. But legally, criminally, civilly, nothing's going to happen. Tim, it is a little uh, reminiscent of uh, before the credit union crisis. Then you learned that a number of, uh, to me, a little bit, uh, some insiders were then taking the money out of the credit union in uh, learning about that. Now, that was that's different than than um, what what happened here. Now, folks, it's John DePietro. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, what is going on with the Rhode Island court system. What happens to a number of these cases? I did get a listener uh, email question from Joanne that I'm going to read as well. So we have and also. Uh, folks, some of the other stories in the news that we're going to talk to Tim Dodd about, and that is the uh, fact that right now the Justice Department is saying that they're looking at maybe 
uh, charging people with as an act of terrorism who could face criminal charges if, in spreading it. We're going to talk about that and a lot more with attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePete. This portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by JKL Engineering. Whether it's heating or cooling, you can depend on JKL Engineering. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call them today at 401-351-7600. Listen, we still have a number of months ahead. You're going to need the heat. We don't know what's going to happen. March can still be chilly. April can still be obviously chilly. The heating season. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas high efficiency carrier infinity system the energy efficient they're quiet more affordable than you think if you're saying no gas guess what no problem let jkl engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system including ductless splits heats in the winter cools in the summer these units are so efficient it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90 percent highest rebates in the market and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, Carrier Factory, authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 53 years, JKL's reputation, second to none. Technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved National Grid VPI installer. Call JKL Engineering today. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, for a heat pump. They're going to do it right. They're going to do it right the first time. And remember, with JKL Engineering, they'll keep it nice and cool in the summertime and nice and warm in the wintertime. Central Air is a life changer. Central Air is a game changer. And right now, estimates are free. Financing is available. License in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, the original, the best, JKL Engineering. Call them 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600 for JKL Engineering. Remember for your business, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today 508 336 21 and MEG mega truck and trailer repair commercial trailers diesel equipment remember free estimates call them today 508-336-2110 mega truck and trailer repair FHWA inspections or Rhode Island State Inspection Station trailer pickup and delivery 24-hour mobile service ABS repairs brakes doors if it's on a trailer they can fix it mega truck and trailer repair call them 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110 for MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. It's John DePietro. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I received, um, well, actually, I'm going to get to the uh, letter or email, I should say, from Joanna in just a moment. I want to just stay just for a moment with, um, I, you know, as soon as this started to break out of nowhere, there was recently a story that all the high-profile CEOs in February that started handing in their retirement. One that really caught my attention was he was the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger. It came out of nowhere. He's going to stay in. I think he's still there in some form of transition, but he's no longer the CEO. And this was in, I think, right in around early February when suddenly he announced he was stepping down. Now, from what I've been told, 
there was some provision in his, you know, a package uh, deal with Disney that when he announces, it's all about stock. When he announces, um, he somehow his compensation going forward would be tied to what it was when he announced. Now, as we know, I mean, the Disney theme parks are closed. Uh, people can't go out to movies. Uh, revenue is down with ABC television and ESPN. That's all under the Disney umbrella. That seems to be, uh, Tim, I, 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 you tell me, I mean, I don't think he did anything criminal. Size their right to exit the company at that time. And he saw what was coming down the pike and decided to do that. If he saw what was coming down the pike from reading the Wall Street Journal or the Miami Herald or whatever other newspaper of choice he yep. reads or other publicly available intel that he was smart enough to figure out, then it's no harm, no foul. And he can say, listen, I read the tea leaves better than the average citizen. I know what my contractual rights are. And this was a good time to bail because I would lock in the stock price I must be compensated at. If, on the other hand, um, he learned about the coming coronavirus um, problem and what effect it would have on the Disney empire, and he learned that, let's say, at a board meeting or receiving confidential information that was not available to the public um, and acted on that information so obtained, hmm. then he would be guilty of potentially be guilty of insider trading. Wow. And he would certainly be potentially subject to prosecution. That's what the insider trading law is really intended. Sure. If you work for a company, you learn inside information and you take advantage of it. Um, something that the public can't know and can't take advantage of. That's the very essence of insider trading. Now, there might be other reasons. Maybe he's got an illness that he hasn't disclosed. Maybe he's this, a very shrewd guy and saw what was coming down the pike. Those things would be fine. But if there was an investigation and if there's, again, we've talked about it, if there's emails or um, texting or something else that he learned about that influences uh, his decision to retire, it could be a problem for him. I guess the best news for him right now is with all of the chaotic news reporting on this coronavirus, um, not much attention has been paid um, to the issue you just brought up. What about all these CEOs that bailed out in February? Yeah. Why, do they, why do they all have this epiphany to bail out at the same time from high-level, high-paying positions? No one leaves the Disney company as chair unless, you know, there's something adverse going on with the stock, with the management, with the products. And Disney was humming along on all cylinders, making record profits. There was no reasonable grounds that he would have decided to leave when there was nothing to do but make money until this coronavirus oh. hit. Well, one last thing on that. Um, they, ABC News, you know, they obviously, ABC News, which is part of Disney, they have bureaus in China, they would certainly have people, you know, there reporting back the news. I don't know if there'd be a difference of what he may have learned through ABC News Bureau in, you know, in China that telling us how bad it is compared with what might have then just been reported um, in the news. I want to get to an email, though, uh, Tim Dodd. And that is this email is from Joanne. 
and she listens each week when we do the segment and said, uh, John, can you ask attorney Tim Dodd? She is, uh, I believe they live in Lincoln. She said, I could say that she has been in the house working from home with her husband. They have two kids. They are, she said late thirties. So I'm not sure how old, but she said, um, while they're cooped up, would this be a good time to make out a will? How do they go about it since they can't go to see an attorney? And I don't know what's going on with that. But um, Tim, can you address people that are, you know, they're self-quarantined, they're at home. And uh, boy, you know, they're hearing about all this death and people getting sick. I, I would imagine this should be a very important time for people to put their will together. Well, if they're self-quarantined because they've been exposed to someone with the virus or they have a reasonable expectation that they might be infected or soon to become symptomatic and they're self-quarantined, well, they should stay at home. Um, certainly attorneys are available by telephone. And if they're not self-quarantined, uh, I know that many attorneys are still on some limited basis going to their office. Um, when uh, Governor Raimondo um, issued her edict about, you know, professionals such as lawyers and accountants um, trying to work from home, the proviso was, you know, I would recommend or advise or urge that you work from home if you're able to do so. Now, for a lot of um, folks, lawyers, accountants, uh, doctors, other you know, professionals, uh, if you're not set up with a home office or if you're not really set up to do all of what you need to do with paper files and everything that goes along with um, practicing law or being an accountant, if you can't work from home, there's no mandate that you do. So I know a lot of my colleagues are still going into the office on a limited basis. So if these folks from Lincoln um, are willing to go in for an office conference, there are still lawyers who would be okay with having a brief office conference. A lot of the provisions that you would want in a will, if you have an attorney that you're comfortable working with, most of the questions and answers and decisions could be handled telephonically. Um, the attorney could draft up you know, the will and the accompanying uh, state planning documents emailed them to the client. If the client is satisfied with those documents, uh, arrangements would have to be made to execute, to sign a, to execute a will properly in Rhode Island. It has to be signed by the person making the will, the testator, and there has to be two witnesses in the same room at the same time, watching each other sign as witnesses and watching the testator sign. So there's got to be at the most three people in a room to effectively um, execute a will. So it can be accomplished. It's not as easy as just making an office appointment, walking in and having a sit down to talk about it. But there's no prohibition. And the notion that there are no lawyers who are working or there are no lawyers going into their office is just not accurate. There are many who are still going in much more on a limited basis, intelligently not spending as much time and I know that most lawyers who are going in are keeping a very limited schedule of seeing any clients. Everything that's being done these days mostly, you can Skype, you can um, correspond via email, you can correspond via text, you can use the old-fashioned telephone and much more effectively and have a, have a conversation. So 
the practice of law still goes on and documents such as wills can s- still be effectuated and executed. Um, Tim, I also want to um, touch on it again, folks. Good afternoon. Uh, this is the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with our legal expert, Tim Dodd. Tim, if you could get a, give an update, what is going on? What is the latest with the Rhode Island courts? The courts remain closed. The expected date for the courts to reopen, if you will, is still April 17th. That date has not been pushed back. That's still a firm date. I, I presume it's subject to change depending on circumstances as we get into the middle of the month. Um, The courts remain closed except for extraordinary emergency cases, things like um, uh, domestic um, abuse, um, capital cases like murder, rape, kidnapping. The courts would still be open to uh, arraign folks on that. The courts are still open for bail review issues for criminal defendants. anything in regarding children with child abuse, there'd still be family court availability to access. It's got to be an emergency. Now, one of the um, pronouncements from the governor was to tenants, well, if you can't pay your rent, you're not going to get evicted. Now, some people might say, well, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm not going to pay my rent. My landlord can't do anything. And that's true in the short term. That doesn't mean the rent is abated. That just means that the landlord has to basically put that rent on account. So let's assume the tenant doesn't pay for March. Let's assume the tenant doesn't pay for April. In the short term, the landlord's got to sit there and eat it and can't do anything about it. But come May, let's say when the courts are open, there'll be lots of evictions looking for back rent and possession. So if you don't pay your rent, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. You're going to get away with something in the short term. But um, when the courts are reopened, all of these cases will become activated. There was a recent case where before the courts closed, there was, let's use an example, an eviction occurs and either the court orders or the parties agreed that the tenant could remain in possession until May, March 1st. So let's assume the eviction happened in January. The landlord and tenant say, okay, you can stay for the month of February, but as of March 1st, you're out. And if you don't get out, we're going to get an execution. We're going to get a moving company. We're going to move you out. So let's assume March 1st is the operative date that they got to get out. And now the tenant says, I'm not getting out because of all this thing going on with the coronavirus. The landlord has an execution, and starts to effectuate the move out. Uh, The tenant goes to court seeking a restraining order, saying you can't do that. Uh, The relief requested in the restraining order is denied. The case goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, Rhode Island Supreme Court, says we're not going to take this case up. The court spokesman says if there was an eviction which has already occurred, And if there is already a judgment, and if there's already an agreed upon uh, move out date and the tenant doesn't move out, nothing stops post-trial eviction efforts from continuing. So that's a narrow sliver of cases. But if you went to court as a tenant, and if you've got to move out by a date certain, and you don't move out by that date certain pursuant to a court order, 
you could still be subject to a landlord moving your stuff out if you don't go voluntarily. So that's kind of a narrow exception to the kind of freeze that's happening right now with landlord-tenant cases. And as we've discussed last time, it creates big problems up and down the economic food chain. If the tenants aren't paying rent and the landlord's got a mortgage, uh, landlord's going to be in a position they can't pay their mortgage. Uh, the banks aren't going to be getting their money. And up and down the food chain, this creates enormous problems in the short term. Um, in the long term, things will get back to normal. But uh, it's an interesting little um, curveball that's within the eviction prohibition right now. There are still people who can be moved out if there's already a court order. Folks, it's John DePietro. Our, uh, we're going to continue with uh, attorney Tim Dodd and some great stories coming up also are there are people being arrested now uh, with the whole situation with coronavirus as far as making even a terrorist threat. It all continues. Stay with us uh, right here on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. It's the John DePietro Show. Everyone is talking about germs, about algae, about mildew. No, I know they're talking about the virus. What about some of the viruses outside your home? As the weather's getting warmer, now is the time. Let's make your property, home or business, look as best it can with Bethel Softwash. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel Softwash. Now, you can text Jared at Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L, Bethel Softwash of Lincoln. Free day, free same day text estimate at 401 617-2585. Text him at 401-617-2585. And what I mean is, if you text Jared, this is what my house looks like, he'll give you a free estimate right there. I'm talking outside your home. I encourage you to visit their Facebook page, and you can see the before and after, and what a difference it makes. Bethel soft washing is the low-pressure system. It won't harm the surface. Low-pressure H2O combined with the biodegradable chemical removes those biological elements like uh, algae and uh, mildew, and you don't need it. The biodegradable plant-safe solution, wait to see the difference. Now, I tell people, go to, uh, log on to the Facebook page, Bethel Certified Softwash, Bethel Softwash, and look at the before and after. What a difference it makes. Bethel Certified Softwash Power Wash for your home, for your business, for your walkway, for your patio, for your deck. Make your home look beautiful. Get rid of that mold and algae. Instead, Bethel Certified Softwash. You can also text Jared at 401-617-2585. Make an appointment, free estimate, 401-617-2585. And look for them on Facebook. It's Bethel Certified Softwash. Right in Lincoln, Bethel Certified Softwash. Well, it's John DePietro. This portion of the program is brought to you by Johnson Propane. Now listen, you want to be prepared for what's going ahead? Now is the time to stock up on propane. Stop in. Phil never runs out. That's right. Phil Johnson never runs out. Easy to get to. Located 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. And it's right in front of Stop and Shop, right over near Rhode Island College. They are open seven days a week. Propane tank and supplies. They fill Blue Rhino. 
and they will fill up all your propane tanks. Credit cards, debit cards are accepted. You can call Phil Johnson at 401-621-8129. 401-621-8129. Johnson Propane, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. Call Phil, 401-621-8129. Now is the time to stock up. It's drive-in, no wait, propane filling station. They'll fill up your tank. Now is the time. You want to make sure. You don't know what's going to happen. And if, in fact, you get locked down or you have to be out, then you want to make sure you have propane. Johnson Propane, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence. I, I'm stopping by to have Phil fill up. I have two tanks. I'm going to have them both filled up. 401-621-8129. Stop in and see him. He's just terrific. And again, right, 904 Manton Avenue in Providence, right near Rhode Island College, and right in front of Stop and Shop. It's John DePietro with, with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, a couple stories I want to uh, bounce off you, and these are certainly different in, uh, for the times. One is uh, it's just like a general discussion because it's all new, but this 26-year-old idiot uh, in, in Missouri, he did a Snapchat video of him licking toiletries in Walmart and taunted who's scared of coronavirus. He's been arrested now, charged with making a terrorist threat. They, there was posted Snapchat on March 11th. They received the Warrington police, Warrington, Missouri. They got complaints from all around the world. And they're saying they're charging him with knowingly causing a false belief or fear that a condition involving danger to life existed. And a story that just came out is the Justice Department, a memo to the Justice Department. They're saying that prosecutors and investigators could come across cases of purposeful exposure and infection of others with COVID-19. So they're saying people who intentionally spread the virus could face criminal charges under federal terrorism laws. And what they're saying is it appears the coronavirus apparently appears to meet the, the definition of a biological agent could act potentially could implicate nation's terrorism related statues. Tim, this is another example. And you saw some of this. It reminds me after 9-11 when we had these people who were uh, with anthrax, that they were uh, doing pranks and sending anthrax through the mail. This is no time for people to be joking about licking toiletries or, you know, pretending I'm going to infect you or anything like that. Uh, there are always cases like this, Tim Dodd, where these there's no other word. They're just idiots. That guy to do that, go into a Walmart, licking toiletries, posted online. People in Ireland were complaining about it. People need to understand when you're in this type of situation, no one's going to think that, you know, oh, boy, that was a humorous prank. Yes, I'm not sure that that conduct satisfies the terrorism statute as written. Um, I think the the government is trying to shoehorn this conduct into the most serious charge they can bring against this moron. But um, I, I think the case will dis- be disposed of ultimately for something less than a um, conviction on or an admission to terrorist activity. But um, it's certainly idiotic conduct, and these things are popping up more and more. I'm I'm not sure that really is terrorism as defined. There are other cases, as we've been reading about, um, I I believe a a man was in line at a store 
and I guess the cashier gave either some attitude or they had a disagreement and the um, customer proceeds to cough all over the um, store employee. Um, that's an assault. I mean, that's an assault no matter how you look sure. at it. Um, could it be a felony assault? It depends because if the assault causes um, serious personal injury, could be. Now, let's assume this idiot coughs on the store employee. The store employee comes down with coronavirus symptoms and gets really, really sick. How are you ever going to prove that that stupid customer's cough caused um, the employee to become symptomatic versus the employee having picked up the virus somewhere else on a doorknob or somewhere else in the world um, and not specifically from that moron's cough? Um, There's going to be difficult elements of proof, but it's certainly an assault and it's certainly prosecutable and it's certainly a crime. Um, there's going to be more and more of these things. What that uh, guy did at the Walmart, licking all of the uh, product and then posting it on Facebook, that creates something much more serious. It's not a direct assault from person to person, but he's intending to um, threaten and scare the community um, with, I guess you could call it a biological agent. Although this virus is not necessarily a biological agent, my understanding, it's not alive. It's an inert um, substance, which becomes activated when introduced to a person's um, uh, mucous membranes and ultimately gets into the bloodstream. So I think there'd be a real difficult argument to be made that this is a biological agent. It's a virus. It's a dead virus. Um, it's not a living biological thing at the time it infects you. That's my understanding. Folks, it's John DePietro speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, there's a couple of the local stories I want to um, touch on. One is I know the people in the uh, gun rights community are very, very upset because right now they, they feel powerless to stop the governor. So first of all, Governor Raimondo announced they're moving the waiting period, if you want to buy a firearm, to 30 days waiting period from seven. Uh, there's no court to go to for Second Amendment. Now, gun rights advocates are protesting the closure of shooting ranges. Governor Raimondo decided to close shooting ranges, again, trying to say it's under the safety of that. And one of the problems seems to be, again, the, the courts are not open. There's no way to, to uh, you know, for redress. There's, there's no way to legally do anything about this and what is your advice to some of the second amendment gun rights advocates out there that i know from speaking to them personally they're very frustrated that they feel that the governor's taking certain actions and they can't even go to court and get a restraining order against some of these actions they probably could not get into court and get heard by a judge because the nature there's no real emergency quote unquote uh, they're being deprived of their right to go enjoy shooting their guns and weapons at a um, shooting range. That's not an emergency um, for the governor to unilaterally change the waiting period on buying firearms might be um, it's not really a constitutional violation. What she's done by unilateral executive order, I don't believe would stand up to um, judicial scrutiny. I think she's wrong. But she, like many people, you know, in government, I think the saying is never let, a, never let an emergency go by without taking advantage of it or words to that effect. 
Um, so she's doing just that. Here we got a crisis, and she's taking advantage of it to, to try to effectuate something that she would like to have happen. I think all of these gun um, rights organizations or individuals should be lawyering up, should be fi filing lawsuits so that when this crisis is over and the courts are open, hopefully after April 17th, they can get into court, they can see a judge and hopefully get some redress. And hopefully the courts would um, admonish the governor in no uncertain terms. You know, not so much in Rhode Island, but there's national stories around the country about citizens having difficulty obtaining firearms. In other states, they're closing the shops that sell firearms, just closing them. You can't go buy a gun in certain states. I think it's in Pennsylvania for one. At the same time, a lot of these larger urban cities and towns are, are letting prisoners out of the jails out of fear of coronavirus. In other jurisdictions, um, the police are not arresting nor are um, cases getting really aggressively prosecuted. So in a time of uncertainty, of lawlessness, we've seen videos on national television about um, looting going on, breaking into stores. I think the Providence Mall was broken right. into last week. Brazenly, with these guys brazenly on camera walking out with bags full of stuff. You know, if the criminals see that there's an opportunity that they're not going to get arrested, they're not going to get prosecuted, one would presume crime's going up. So citizens might say, well, gee, maybe I should go buy myself a firearm for my personal protection. So the system is letting the criminals have more leeway and being less subject to prosecution or arrest at the same time, you know, law abiding citizens can't go buy a gun. It's, um, it's so counterintuitive that um, it's mind boggling that the two things are going on at the same time. But at the end of the day, John, to specifically get to that point, I think lawsuits should be filed. And I think that, um, the governor's conduct will be slapped down at the appropriate time. Folks, it's John DePietro. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Coming up, we're going to talk about, boy, a lot of New York fleets in Narragansett. And uh, some people down there are upset about it. Also, Block Island issued an interesting uh, response to those that are thinking of going out to Block Island to kind of spend some time there during this uh, period of time. It's, it's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Henry Oil. Since 1947, what a Rhode Island success story. Folks, call them today, 401-521-0200, Henry Oil. It's Carmine, it's Lori. As I said, since 1947, full-service fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service for contracted regular customers. They have oil burner service and installation, automatic delivery, budget plans, lock and cap pricing, Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. It's Henry Oil, residential and commercial fuel oil delivery. Go with a local company that you can support and de depend on. Henry Oil. In 1947, it was Carmine Henry DeSanto delivered that fuel oil with a single truck operation from his gas station on Manton Avenue in Providence. And now the tradition continues. Reliable, affordable 
fuel oil delivery, serving Rhode Island and parts of Mass since 1947. Call my friends at Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. You can also, as I mentioned, check out their website. It's henryoil.com, henryoil.com. Take advantage of the lock and cap pricing or the oil burner service and installation or their automatic delivery or their budget plans. Full service fuel company that you can depend on, Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200, Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, online at henryoil.com. You're listening to John DePietro, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at dipietro.com. Folks, we're speaking with Rhode Island top attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, a couple of things. Um, so as, as you may know, uh, Narragansett, uh, apparently I've been getting so many emails from people that live down there saying they're being inundated. Cars with New York plates, cars with Connecticut plates. They go into the stop and shop right there in the uh, Salt Pond Plaza, stocking up. They have homes in Narragansett, a lot of New Yorkers. And many people are upset saying, hey, they shouldn't be allowed to you know, come here. Now, these are people who they own, uh, you know, second homes, Connecticut, same way. They own second homes. If they're in New York, they want to get out of there or they don't want to be trapped there. Um, and for some reason, a number of people seem to have this attitude that they don't think the people from New York should be allowed to go to their second summer homes that are now they obviously can use year round in, in especially in Narragansett. Um, if you could address that. Well, yes, and the governor has addressed um, that topic. I think she specifically referenced Newport and uh, Westerly because there's also lots of folks from New York and Connecticut um, who have summer residences or second homes in those communities. Narragansett's also one of the communities that gets an influx of Connecticut and New Yorkers um, during the warmer months. Um, So, Fine. People are trying to get out of New York and they're coming to their second homes or their summer homes in Rhode Island coastal communities. Um, There there should be no prohibition for that happening. That cannot be legally. Um, The governor has urged in the strongest terms that, hey, if you're a New Yorker and you're coming to your Rhode Island residence, um, you should be self-quarantining for not less than 14 days. Um, much as other interstate travel becomes the um, way in which this coronavirus is getting carried from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, uh, folks who are fleeing New York and Connecticut and coming here, certainly um, the risk is that they bring more of the corona-infected individuals from those states to our state. If they properly self-quarantine, terrific. If they're saying, well, I'm safe now, I'm not symptomatic, even though they could be a carrier, and they're off at the Salt Pond Plaza, or if they're out, you know, doing shopping and being around and about in liquor stores and supermarkets, et cetera, um, there is a danger associated with that. But there's no real way to stop it unless they stop um, out-of-state cars or any cars from coming over borders. Um, and I think at one point, Governor Raimondo was saying she's not yet ready to um, stop interstate um, vehicles coming in from, let's say, Massachusetts to Rhode Island, there's no way to stop this from happening. You know, there should this be lots of uh, public reminders that such people need to be um, 
meticulous in making sure that they self-quarantine. Um, I, I understand it's upsetting to folks who are native to these communities and they see the influx of out-of-state plates. There's really not a heck of a lot the state can do about that. And Tim, what about uh, Block Island basically saying, uh, we would prefer if people don't come here. You can't legally stop people. If you have a home in Block Island or if the inn is open or there's someplace open and you want to go stay, I, I understand their paranoia. They're almost feeling like, hey, listen, there's no virus out here on the island. We want to keep it that way. But you can't legally stop people. If I, you know, from wherever you are, if you own a home on Block Island, you can't stop me. I'm going to go and stay at my place on Block Island. Well, I guess all that I'm just speculating if Block Island were to close the airport and close the marina, um, there'd be very limited ways of getting well, there. True. I guess you could take you could take a sailboat over. Um, you could uh, take your speedboat over and still make your way onto the island. But um, short of that, there's no way that Block Island can legally say we're not letting anyone come onto our island. You can't do it. You know, the only thing they can do is close down the means of access and they'd have to have a legitimate reason to do so, such as closing, you know, the, the marina or the airport. Um, it's the same thing as Newport or Narragansett or Westerly. They can't stop out-of-towners from coming in. They just can't do it. Tim, what, else, what will uh, happen ultimately when um, the courts do reopen now? Is that a solid uh, time frame right now? I've also been getting people asking me, what does this mean about Mattiello? Now, if the it might be my understanding. If the grand juries can't meet, then anything, uh, anything pending in front of a grand jury, does it just just kind of sit there for now? Yes, the grand all grand jury proceedings are on hold, at least until after the seventeenth of April. So nothing can happen, um, including the Mattiello grand jury. And there's many other grand juries out there on cases that are not so high profile. They're all at a standstill until the courts resume operations. And Tim, there's another story. And, and again, it's unique, but um, in countries are different. But in uh, police in South Africa said two men who tested positive for the coronavirus were being investigated over allegations. They refused to self-isolate after the country was placed on lockdown. Uh, they, they, um, they could end up being charged here. And I also received an email uh, question from... Uh, let's see, Ray, uh, asking about what about his brother-in-law arrived at Green, uh, TF Green Airport the other night and was met by the National Guard and they wanted to take his temperature and say you have to self-quarantine. Um, if you could just touch on both, because people seem to think that their personal liberties are being infringed upon. Um, I'll let you, you touch on that. But that did surprise people getting off a plane and then all of a sudden you have to line up and there's the the National Guard, and it's almost like customs in a way, except they're taking the temperatures and, and uh, talking to them a little bit. Yes. In a, in a health crisis, in a pandemic like we've got right now, um, most governments, state, federal, and city, are all playing this by ear. This is something that no one has ever encountered before in our lifetime. Um, you know, the last pandemic, I guess, of a real serious nature was in 2000, I mean, 1918, excuse me, 1918. So this is a new, new situation and governments are going to make mistakes and everyone's trying to figure it out globally, literally around the globe. People are trying to figure this out. Is requiring people to stop to have their temperature taken 
um, an invasion of their civil liberties? Yeah, I, I believe it is. Will any action ever be taken to um, punish or sanction um, the state or the uh, National Guard from taking these acts? No. Um, it is disturbing in the long term, in my view, that governments around the world are seeing how they can amass more power, um, how they can control the dissemination of information, how they can um, get the public to be compliant with all of these rules and regulations, um, and how generally uh, civil rights are being violated left and right here, all in the name of controlling this pandemic. But it's a slippery slope. Just look at the governor with what she's doing with gun access, as we've talked about, um, and this self-quarantining and the notion of closing borders, all in, all in the name of a pandemic. It's good in the short term, but the precedents that are being set here, if you care about civil liberties, um, it's very disturbing. Uh, and it's disturbing that because of fear of the unknown and fear of the virus and fear of illness, that um, people are willing to listen to the government and the government is exercising more and more control over people's lives, which in the long term, I don't think is good at all for society or for the country. I, I think it's very detrimental and it's scary because you don't know who's going to be wielding the power in the future. And it's scary because you don't know what the next potential quote unquote crisis is. But um, those folks who are concerned about what's happening at the airport, they're right on. Folks, he's our uh, legal expert, Rhode Island top attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, great to talk to you again. Be safe and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. You too. This portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by K's. K's, folks, I can't say enough good things about K's Restaurant. There they are, located 1013 Cass Ave in Woonsocket. K's is doing takeout. You can call them for takeout at 762-9675. Why not take out from K's a nice steak sandwich or corned beef or the lobster roll or ham sandwich or the chicken salad sandwich is delicious. I love their roast beef or the pastrami is delicious, the roast turkey breast is fantastic. And also the grilled pork, or the tuna fish salad, the shrimp cocktail, lobster cocktail, wedge salad. Listen, call K's for takeout, 401-762-9675. And let me tell you about K's. They are so terrific, and they're always there when you need them. David and John, the people of K's Restaurant, they are, without question, always there, so generous supporting people. And I'm encouraging you, during these times, support Kay's, a real local icon. Kay's Restaurant is everything you want, and not only a restaurant, but a restaurant owner. And let me tell you about David. The guy is just, he is exactly the type of citizen you need. Always steps up there, always helps out, always very generous. This is your opportunity to show your support for K's Restaurant. Call them for takeout, 762-9675. You can check out their website, ksrestaurant.com, or maybe get a gift card. But the people there are just terrific. 
Listen, why not? Treat yourself. Lunch, dinner, call K's. Do take out with K's Restaurant, 762-9675, and then you pop by and get it right there, Cass Avenue, across from CVS. Thank you.